Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and I've got three hours jam-packed worth of some great sports talk content this morning. And I've got a great list of of some – we've got some great guests coming on this morning. First at 8 o'clock, Ryan Berger, Myrtle Beach quarterback. Recently committed earlier this week. Well, technically last week. If I would have known he was good, planning on trying, planning on uh, committing on a Friday, I would have tried to get him on the show in the morning and had him make the commitment uh, last week, last week uh, in the morning. But unfortunately, wasn't able to get that done. But we will have him on this morning, and he'll talk about his recruitment, his commitment, all of that good stuff. And then we're going to try again. Weren't able to get Antonio Gaines coming on last week, reviewed defensive lineman who uh, committed to Charlotte last week. We'll try again this week and get him on and hopefully hopefully talk his commitment and his recruiting process as well. Uh Lots of things to talk about this morning. Obviously, Final Four finished off this week. Uh, National Championship finished off this week. Uh, Got a bunch of good uh, spring break baseball tournaments, high school baseball tournaments going on right now. Some coaching moves in the college ranks. Some other news to get to. MLB news with the All-Star Game, talking about that. Some Carolina Panther news, and an interesting debate that I saw earlier on this morning that I thought, this is an interesting topic, and I want to bring it up. So that's something that we will talk about in the middle of the show at the 
at the bottom of the hour in at 8.30, we'll talk about that and uh, get in. If anyone wants to get their thoughts on that, once I bring it up, uh, or anything else, if you want to call in right now, get your thoughts in on anything sports-related, whether it's high school, college, pro, what have you. Be sure to call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. And we will kick it off. With talking about the national championship games and the final four this weekend, and what a final four it was. We'll start in the on the women's side, and I I have to say, both final four games big upsets to me. Obviously, Stanford being North or being South Carolina, both teams were one seeds. Both teams are very good. And that came and that game went right down to the wire. That game was that game was a nail biter to say the least. But Stanford was able to pull it out right at the end. Sixty six sixty five was the final score in that game. Tough way to go out for Dawn Staley and the and the Gamecocks, but they're gonna be back next year. That is for sure. They're getting some good pieces coming in. Not too many pieces leaving this year. So they'll be back. They will definitely be back. They'll be at least back in the Final Four, if not back in the National Championship once again next season. Uh, But congrats to Stanford. And the other upset, you know, the other game in the Final Four, Arizona beating UConn pretty handily, too. 69-59. 69-59. Again, very, you know, especially for Arizona. You know, Stanford was a one seed. And, you know, they, they're they a very talented program, a very talented team. And it came right down to the wire against South Carolina. So it's not like that game was a huge shocker, but the three-seeded Arizona beating, you know, the the cream of the crop program in all of women's basketball in UConn, that was pretty surprising. That was pretty surprising. And what's great about it, uh, what I love about it personally is for so many years, you had it being, you know, you had UConn, you had Tennessee, you know, you had Stanford, and you had Notre Dame. And those were the four programs that were always that seemed to always be in the final four. And UConn were on their dominant run where they went undefeated for a few years. And they they won national championship after national championship and af, after national championship. And even when, you know, some players looked like they were going to be the next big thing and were going to lead their program to a national championship, you know, remember Brittany Griner, you know, a, a few years back. You know, Notre Dame and those teams that looked like they'd be a real threat to UConn. It was very much like 
football. And while obviously this is not the same as football in the sense that everyone gets an equal opportunity, it it hurt, at least in my opinion, it hurt women's basketball because you would have UConn win every year. And after a while, it was like, okay, you didn't even bother watching anything, really. You know, you basically could just pencil in UConn to, into the national championship game and a lot of years just pencil him in as the national champion. And that sort of lack of parity, that drastic of a lack of parity, really hurts a sport as a whole. And, you know, I don't I, I want to go on another, you know, football playoff rant. But that is one of those reasons. That is one of the reasons why college football has so many problems, and and you see it in the ratings. Every year, the ratings keep on dropping and dropping and dropping. Because unless you're a an Alabama or a Clemson fan, you don't care. You've seen this same song and dance every single year. So why do you bother watching it again? And now, obviously, this year, you can, you know, the the naysayers can make the argument, oh, it's a pandemic year. People weren't as into it this year because of the the craziness of the year and all of that. And, yeah, you can make an argument for it. But I, I do, I honestly think if you put a Cincinnati, if you put a Coastal into the playoffs, and by you know by some miracle they maybe even made it to the national championship game. I think the ratings would have skyrocketed. Now nah, that's just me. That's just me. But here's a good example. And now while it's definitely not a mid-major program, it's not a Cinderella type situation. Let's move over to the men's side. Start off with Baylor and Houston. Baylor just utterly dominating Houston in the Final Four. And that was kind of a pretext of what was to come. I doubt a lot of people saw it when it happened on Saturday. Oh, it's more of Houston not being good enough rather than Baylor being that good. But that should have been an omen to a lot of people, a lot of analysts, to say, hmm, Baylor may be the team to beat. But to be fair to them, you now have to look at it on the flip side, look at the other game, and what a game it was. Gonzaga beating UCLA in overtime on a buzzer-beater three. After UCLA ties it. And yeah, this isn't bad. And yeah, this isn't, you know, football or baseball where, you know, well, baseball, not so much. But, you know, this isn't like football where, you know, 
taking a chance. And, and even in football, you see it a lot of times when, you know, there's a team on like the 50 or 45 yard line with only a few seconds left and they only have one play left to make. They do try to heave it into the end zone to see what happens. And even if it gets intercepted, you know, when it, this, I'm talking about when it's a tied game. Even if it gets intercepted, you're going into overtime anyway. But to be able to have that much composure, and and I think the composure probably did help the fact, you know, was helped by the fact that, okay, if I miss this, it's not like we lose. If I miss this, we just go into double overtime, and we can win it there. But still, the composure to make that shot, was was incredible. It was a great shot, great game. A lot of people are calling it the the best college basketball game they've ever seen, and I may have to agree with them. I'd have to kind of go back and, and figure out some games because there are some pretty good games. Now, maybe not quite to that level and that high of stakes, but... You know, you think to, you know, Syracuse and Georgetown, that six-overtime game in the Big East tournament back in the day. You, you know, you think of so many other great games. So is this one up there? Absolutely. Would I say it's the best of all time? That's up for debate. But still, a great game. Great way to finish off, well, not fully finish off because we have one more game to talk about, but a great way to finish off the Final Four. And that leads us to the National Championship game. And I'm kind of surprised that I, at least I haven't heard the argument be made about this. I, and but with it being the national championship, you'd have to imagine that 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 day off, you're gonna use it as a time to get yourself situated, get yourself prepared for the next game. So I don't think this can be used as an excuse for Gonzaga, but I do wonder how much the energy and the excitement from the overtime played into how Gonzaga played in the beginning of that game. You you have to wonder if Gonzaga came in there sluggish because they were still thinking about two nights before. Now, with it being a national championship game and everything, I highly doubt it. But the argument could potentially be there. Baylor wins it 86-70. Utter domination basically throughout the whole game for, for the Bears. And that, I was surprised. I was surprised at how dominant Baylor was to start off the game and and throughout the game. But 
for those, I, you know, as soon as this game went final and Gonzaga lost, the talk of, oh, is Gonzaga overrated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, started up. And I'm just thinking, are you serious? Are you for real right now? This is a... This is a Gonzaga team that came into the game undefeated for the rest of, for the entire season. Now, yes, the argument can be made that they play in the West Coast Conference. It's not a top-of-the-line conference in basketball. But they still have some good teams. St. Mary's, they've got a few other teams that are, you know, at least, you know, not the top of the line. It's not the ACC or the Big 12 or or the Big 10 or anything like that or the Big East. But at the same time, you're still playing quality competition. And on top of that, Gonzaga went out of their way to schedule as as much as they could this year. Obviously, with COVID, there were some restrictions and some issues with it. But they went out of their way to schedule as tough of a schedule as they could. And they always play in one of the top tournaments, one of the top preseason tournaments in the country. So the thought, this concept that, oh, Gonzaga, you know, didn't deserve to be there. Of course they did. First off, they... First off, they won all their games in the regular season. So the concept that that they didn't deserve to be there is ridiculous. It just it just doesn't work. Cuz you have to think about let, let's go through this real quick. Because a lot of people are going to say this and it just it, it's it, it's ridiculous. So, so let's go through this real quick. Let's go through each game for the tournament that Gonzaga had to face off against. And and I will admit one thing when we get to it. But well, first off, before we get to the tournament, you know, you just you can't discount their their non their non-conference schedule this year. You just can't they they had the they had the schedule they had the strength of schedule you know for all the people who use more football terminology you know they had it they deserved to be a one seed they were undefeated they were the only undefeated team in the country now in the tournament first round of course you're going to have a, an easy road second round they beat Oklahoma which was a pretty good team not great, but good. Third round, they beat Creighton, who's another good team. And then in the Elite Eight, they face off against a USC team who prior to that beat Kent, beat Oregon, who beat Iowa, and USC themselves beat Kansas. 
So, yes, you can say, oh, it's a lower seed, and so they had an easier road. But it's not like USC had an easy road to get there. They had to be Kansas. It's not like let, let's look at some of the other brackets. Let's look at some of the other uh, some of the other sides. You know, Baylor. Baylor, you could say, might have even had the easier road because. You know, yes, they faced Wisconsin, who technically was a lower seed. And then they had to face a weakened Villanova team. And then, you know, yeah, they had to face Arkansas. It just, it it just doesn't, you know, the, the concept that they had an easier road or, you know, whatever you want to call it. It just it, it just doesn't work for me. It, it just doesn't. So congratulations, but you know, congratulations to Baylor. You know, everyone, and and this is un, unfortunately this is what seems to happen whenever you have a a game like this, a matchup like this, and a result like this is that more of the talk goes towards, oh, was the higher-seeded team or the more, the the team that was the odds-on favorite, were they overrated? Instead of giving credit where credit is due and say, hey, Baylor was a very good team. You know, Baylor came very close to going into the tournament undefeated. They were still a one-seed. So it's not like they were a scrub team. It's not like they were a scrub team. And, you know, for all the people saying, oh, Gonzaga is a great regular season team, but, you know, struggles in the tournament. If you consider getting all the way to the national championship struggling, then there are at least a few hundred teams in the NCAA that would love to say that they're struggling. Because there are so many teams that either never make it to the tournament in the first place or make it and lose in the first round on a regular basis. If you consider making it to the national championship struggling... And I don't know what to tell you. So, you know, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I'm going to say Baylor played a great game. You know, and and they they were built to go up against a team like Gonzaga. That's the other thing. You know, basketball, we, we talk about it for football sometimes. But basketball even more so, you know, there are certain teams, you know, talking about the NBA. The Clippers, now they've had their problems with this. And this is where you can, you know, this is where you can, uh, you know, criticize a team like this. 
But the Clippers have been built specifically to counter the Lakers. And so they should be expecting to beat the Lakers. Same here. Baylor had the type of team that could directly counter what Gonzaga was doing. And so as a result, they should be winning that game. And they did. So that's, you know, you you don't expect to to see it all the time. But, and, and of course, you know, you would love to see a, uh, of course you would love to see an undefeated season. You know, who wouldn't? But still, even even without that, still, you know, e- even without seeing the undefeated season, it was it was still a great tournament. Obviously, the fact that we were able to see it at all this year, after last year it being canceled due to COVID, is great. It, it it was great. It was great to see, you know, some great storylines this season in the tournament. And you know, the only thing, the only the only thing further I can say about the tournament is congratulations to Baylor and congratulations to Stanford. That's all I got to say to that. So that'll wrap up my talk about the tournament. When we come back, I'll talk about a few other college notes and talk about a few uh, pro notes. Actually, talk a few more. Actually, I take that back. We will switch gears. I'll talk some recruiting, go through some of the recruiting notes uh, for this week. Uh, And then I may talk uh, some other college notes if I've got some time uh, before Ryan Berger comes on to talk with me at 8 o'clock. And as always, if you want to call in, if you want to get your thoughts on anything, be sure to do so. 323-784-9681 is a number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back, right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Where it began I can't begin to know him, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer, who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you.
And it don't seem so lonely We fill it up with only two And when I hurt Burden runs off my shoulders How can I hurt when holding you? Warm Touching warm Reaching out Touching me Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. As we switch gears, we'll talk some recruiting real quick and then might talk some baseball or might talk some college uh, stuff after that. We'll decide once I'm done with the recruiting notes. Not too, too many this week. We are starting to head towards not an official dead period. Obviously, the recurring dead period officially for colleges is about to come up. Hopefully, uh, there's going to be an, a a meeting of the executive committee for the NCAA. Uh, the recurring committee, I believe, next week, uh, talking about that and 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 seeing what what the game plan is there but uh cam pringle from woodland was offered by memphis jacoby henderson from catalba ridge was by army zan durham or zan dunham from chester was offered by charlotte kaden kaden beck from powdersville was offered by vmi trey mcleod from trinity burns was offered by air force Kazarius Adams from Great Legion was offered by Air Force as well. Apollos Cook was from River Bluff was offered by both Georgia State and Charlotte. Bobo from Hammond was offered by Virginia. He continues to get offers galore. Antonio Williams, another guy that keeps on getting offers after offers, was offered by Penn State. Michael Long from Bishop England committed to Wofford. And like I mentioned, the the man that we will have on in a little under half an hour, Ryan Berger from Myrtle Beach committed to App State. And 
Nick Hapsius from Daniels. Daniels signed with Western Carolina. So there are your recruiting notes uh, for this uh, for this week. Big, biggest one definitely is, is Ryan Berger, and we've got, got a bunch of questions for him. He'll come on in a little under half an hour uh, to talk about that. And since we'll be talking to Ryan Berger, and we'll be talking, you know, you know, on his level football, but talk some. You know Myrtle Beach stuff. We'll switch over to some high school notes. Uh, the big stuff this weekend or this week. It is spring break, and you know what that means. If you're a baseball fan in the state of South Carolina, you know what that means. It's spring break baseball tournament time. We'll run through a few uh, a few of the big notes this week. Traher won the Kershaw Richland Classic, being Sumter for nothing. So congrats to them. They they continue playing very well, uh, and Sumter continues to kind of fall. They're kind of towards the lower part of that Region Six Five A. Uh, River Bluff wins the Forest Acres Classic, so congrats to them. They continue to play well. South Florence wins the Founders FCU Diamond Challenge being the Crosstown Rivals in the championship game. And prior to that, in the semis, their manager, Kenny Gray, won his 300th game of his career. So congrats to him. Congrats to South Florence. South Florence playing pretty well, although, you know, they they split the series with North America in just a little bit. Um you know, North Merle Beach trying to start winning some more games. Uh, they need to kind of catch up. Or excuse me, they did not split the series with uh, North Merle Beach. They actually lost uh, both of the games. So, you know, in, in spite of the fact they've played well in non-region play, South Florence, uh, they've struggled in region, in region play thus far. Uh, and speaking of North Merle Beach... The the championship of the Mingo Bay Classic is this afternoon, and it will be North Myrtle Beach facing off against Sakasti in that championship game at North Myrtle Beach. I'll have all the action for you live this afternoon on SHN Sports. Just look up SHN Sports on YouTube, and you'll be able to find it. That'll be a great game. This is a rematch, actually, of when these two teams faced off earlier on. Well, technically in the preseason, but, you know, right at the beginning of the season uh, when the Braves beat the Chiefs 9-8 to in the Coastal Invitational Tournament in the championship game. So it's, it's one championship game uh, to another between these two teams and the chiefs are definitely going to try to get that win back and also uh, win the Mingo Bay classic. Obviously this season, not nearly as big of a tournament as it was, as it is normally there were only 19 teams uh, in the tournament this year. 
army is, you know, up close to a hundred. So you're, you know, it's 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 not what you what it what it should be definitely, but it, it's still a, a good tournament and a good uh, little showcase for the local teams here on the Grand Strand, and. They've been very successful, to say the least, uh, the teams on the Grand Strand. Uh, obviously, them being the home teams helps out. Them not having to travel helps out, but they were very uh, dominant. Although, Myrtle Beach, talking about Myrtle Beach, you know, they they were one of three teams, th- three of the local teams, uh, North Myrtle Beach, Myrtle, and uh, Carolina Forest all only played two games apiece. Uh, but Myrtle Beach... Struggled last night. Lost four to two to Lakewood, who Lakewood were dominated by both Carolina Forest and North Myrtle. Lakewood lost to Carolina Forest fourteen to five on the first day of the Mingo Bay Classic, and then was ten run ruled on Wednesday night against North Myrtle Beach. So the fact that Myrtle Beach loses that game, loses, you know, the final game for them in the Mingo Bay Classic. That's a big blow to them, especially because they are the ones that are technically kind of running things. You know, Tim Christie, their manager, being the one that really, you know, does all the the major work on the tournament. So a a disappointing loss for them last night. And on top of that, today uh, they were supposed to play. Um, let me look to see who they were supposed to play today. But that game was canceled because of some injuries. Uh, Myrtle Beach was supposed to play against King's Academy, uh, but King's Academy had some injury issues and decided to pull out of the last day. Uh, would have just been a consolation game for both teams, as North Myrtle Beach is playing off, playing against Sockesty in the championship game. The other games today in the Mingo Bay that uh, you know not championship games obviously no no real format for the rest of them because with each team only playing at most three games there wasn't really a way to determine you know third place game fifth place game etc cetera, etc cetera. but Greenbrier will face off against Carolina Forest Charlena will face off against Loris Lakewood will play Conway Legion Collegiate will face off against Aner Lugoff Elgin will play Georgetown Lake City will go up against St. James and Carmel Christian will go up against Waccamaw. So there are your games. All those games played at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So some great afternoon baseball for everyone today. And should be a fun, especially the championship game is going to be a lot of fun. So if you're in the area and you want to go check out some baseball, you know, whichever game you want to go to, I would personally recommend North Merle Beach Soccer City. 
especially considering the history of this season. I think that's going to be a very close game. It's going to be a very entertaining game. And you may see one of the best pitchers. Not sure who's going to be pitching uh, for either team, but considering it is a championship game. uh, Now, Billy Barlow pitched on Tuesday, or excuse me, on Wednesday. So I'm assuming that he would not be pitching tonight. So I'm assuming it will be Cam Freeman uh, pitching this afternoon. But we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, Moving over to a few other uh, high school notes real quick. Kristen Dickerson, Dickerson Forenberry was named the new girls basketball coach at Northside Christian. She was previously at Ben Lippin and played her high school ball at Heathwood Hall to her on on getting the new job at Northside Christian, uh, and that should help that program out. The ESPN, moving over to the football field, ESPN 300 for the class of 2022 was released earlier this week. And there are a few South Carolina teams on that list. Starting it off at the top is Jaleel Skinner from Greer. He was ranked 68th in the country. Jaden Lucas from Malden was ranked 72nd. Antonio Williams, who got the big Penn State offer this week from Dutch Fork at 84. Jalen Sneed from Hilton Head was ranked 97th. Colin Sadler from Greenville, ranked 109th. And Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach, the local guy, uh, was ranked 150th. So, you know, that's, that's big for this area, getting someone at that level. Uh, and, you know, Myrtle Beach is always a, a top program in the state. But area, you know, just overall has been steadily growing uh, when it's come to, you know, getting getting more players uh, in the area recruited and, and getting more exposure for for each team. And it, it's been fun to see. It's been fun to see, you know, every program, especially at the 5A and 4A level, getting better, getting more exposure, getting more guys going to the next level, and building up that stock as a result. So with about 15 minutes before uh, we got Ryan Berger, Adam Randall's quarterback, that's my quarterback, uh, coming on in a little bit. We'll switch gears. We'll go back to the college ranks. Uh, we'll stick to fr- football. Wofford, we talked about Chattanooga last week. Another Southern Conference team has decided to drop out of uh, the season. With this time being Wofford deciding to forego the remainder of the season. And I mentioned last week 
I mentioned last week how I was thinking this may end up becoming the trend. Uh, that, you know, that this may become the trend that uh, that we see moving forward uh, as teams. But what's weird with Watford was having at least a decent season. Uh, and so you would have thought they might have wanted to continue to play. I think they might have also had some issues with their roster as well. Uh, and again, it's one of those questions, especially considering, and and I mentioned it before, I think there, there could be an argument to be made to potentially move the FCS season into the spring. But this it because it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like they're planning on going moving forward as scheduled in the fall. And this leaves a very tough decision for a lot of these head coaches because like I mentioned last week on one hand you're basically playing a, you know, a a halfway season, you know, a you know just a you know who really cares even for a lot of people at least uh obviously the players care and all of that but a, a lot of people would say you know this isn't a real season you know what what does a championship in the season really mean et cetera et cetera et cetera and on top of that you also have to consider the fact that then you have to play a full season, a regular season in just six months. So how do you balance that out? And on top of that, you also have to take into consideration, you know, uh, player, player health and safety and all of that. So it, it really leaves a lot of coaches in the conundrum where, okay, yes, I can use this season, even if I'm not caring in terms of wins and losses, I can use this season as a way of getting players, you know, game game prep time, getting my younger guys out there and, and whatnot. But at the same time, in the back of your head, you're always thinking, is it really worth it? is this really worth it? And a lot of coaches, I think, you know, more and more week by week, you, you start to continue to see as we head towards the latter part of the season, you're going to see more and more teams say, eh, no, I don't think it is worth it. So it's going to be very interesting uh, with all of the opt-outs and all of that how the NCAA selection committee will determine. I, I think if I remember correctly, I think they did drop it down to 16 teams, uh, a 16 team tournament tournament this season. So how they determine those 16 teams and, and all of that, if, if they, you know, reward or punish teams that stuck around in conferences that lost a couple of teams, like in the Southern 
So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's going to be something that, you know, we'll see how many, if, how many other teams, if any more, decide to drop out before the season comes. Because as the season progresses and more and more teams get mathematically eliminated, but then again, even if you think you're mathematically eliminated, you may not necessarily be if you're with how few teams are playing right now. So who knows? It, 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 there's, there's a lot of question marks in FCS football right now. A few uh, coaching moves on the basketball front this week. The coaching carousel has gone, has swung into full gear this week. The big one, obviously, you know, last week the big news, Roy Williams retiring, and UNC moved quickly on finding his successor. They hired Hubert Davis as the new head basketball coach. He's, he's a man that has history with UNC, with the Tar Heels, played under Dean Smith, and was an assistant with Roy Williams. So he's got the history. Roy Williams gave him a big endorsement when he was announced. And so, you know, like I said last week, you hate being the guy after the guy. And Hubert Davis is going to have has, is going to have to have some very thick skin. But based on the stories I've heard about him, you know, initially Dean Smith didn't think he would be able, would be able to cut it in North Carolina coming out of high school, and he had to prove himself to Dean Smith, and he did that and then some. Went on to play in the NBA. And has done a good job as an assistant on the college ranks thus far. So, do I think he's capable? Absolutely. But he's going to have to have some very thick skin. And this is still UNC. They're going to get recruits. They're going to get the players that they want. But, you know, this year was kind of a down year for the Tar Heels. So he's he's gonna have to I won't say rebuild. Rebuild is a is a term that you would think of with a team that's completely in the dumps. But he's going to have to re solidify this team uh going forward. And if they start to struggle, he's gonna have to have some thick skin to prepare for him pr- prepare himself for the inevitable of, oh, he's no Roy Williams. He's not at that level, and we need to find someone that can handle this pressure. So, you know, I think he's capable. Good luck, Hubert Davis. I think I think he has a, the capability to be a good coach at UNC. But he's going to have to have some very thick skin in the first couple of years. Some other coaching moves. Porter Moser leaving Loyola Chicago and going to Oklahoma. Uh, Loyola Chicago also decided to move quickly, promoting assistant Valentine to the head coaching role. Uh, So Sister Jean has a new head coach that she has to uh, worry about 
over at Loyola Chicago, and we'll see how that impacts them, how that impacts that program and and uh, their success. Obviously, had a great run, and Moser is being rewarded by getting that that bigger program uh, to head coach now, and so that's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles that because there have been those, you know, now this is a little different. You know, Brad Stevens going from Butler to the pros. You know, you had Chaka Smart who went from VCU to Texas and now is at Marquette, and he had some success at Texas. But I think, I don't think he had nearly as much success with the Longhorns as a lot of their fans thought after his success at VCU. So that's always kind of tough. And obviously in, in football, you have the, the the notoriety of Scott Frost, who went from UCF. Now, granted, he went into a dumpster fire at Nebraska. But the the fact that he has not been able to turn that program around, which a lot of people thought he would, has, has hurt his uh, credibility a little bit. So, you know, what, you know, whether um he's able to do it or not, that's going to be the big question. Uh but because that's that's always the big question. You know, a lot of coaches are good at one level whether it is the the lower level uh colleges as compared to going to the higher level or college as compared to pro. Certain coaches are built for certain styles. I mean, hell, look at uh, even on the high school level. Look, look at a look at a guy. You know, like the like Dutch Forks head coach. Drawing a blank on his name right now, uh, off the top of my head. But you know, he he has built something at Dutch Fork, and he's already said. You know, he likes the. He likes the way high school is done better than college, but he could easily go to a college program, I, in my opinion, and be successful, or potentially even go to the NFL and be successful. But he decides to stay in high school because he likes how it's run. Now, that's a little different. That's him more of a personal choice, more than him not being able to get beyond high school. But again, even if someone's able to get some success, certain personalities prefer different types of of situations. So that's what you seem to get with that and, and it's gonna this is gonna be a big test for Moser to see where how that pans out. Two other ho he, uh two other head coaching uh Coaching Carousel News notes, uh, Texas Tech is elevating assistant Mark Adams to their head coaching spot. So congrats to him. He'll keeping it in the in-house, and that may help Texas Tech moving forward. And then Sean Miller was is out at Arizona. And Arizona is one of those programs that was so good for so long and is you know it's still considered not quite to the level of a uh, duke or unc or kentucky or or 
even a UCLA. But Arizona still has a lot of tradition on the basketball court. And so that's going to be one of those jobs, not as much as, you know, Hubert Davis, obviously, but definitely whoever takes that job is going to have some pressure behind them. So that's going to be one to to keep an eye out for. So got a few minutes. Uh, Ryan Berger actually just called in. We'll take a quick break and come right back, and we will have Ryan Berger coming on at the top of the hour talking about his recruitment and his commitment to Appalachian State right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, we have Ryan Berger on the other line. Ryan, how's it going this morning? Doing good. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. First off, congratulations on the commitment. Uh, walk us through how your recruitment went and how you're feeling now that you've you've made that commitment and can can move forward. Well, I got my uh, first offer in late January from Appalachian State, and that that really mean, meant a lot to me. And uh, I think there was a lot of – I had eight offers, ended up with eight offers, and uh, I wanted, I really – schools that offered me, and I made a couple campus visits, and I chose, you know, what felt like home. And I think with this transfer portal, you know, that you, you never know what's going to happen that June 1st date. I mean, I think there's 1,200 kids, 1,300 kids in the transfer portal that'll be eligible immediately. And I know 
I think I saw one school actually. I think it was Texas State. They uh, they didn't take any high school kids in 2021 class. So it's been you know it's really tough to get offers right now, and I'm just blessed to you know even have eight of them. So uh, yeah, I was really excited to get App State and. You know, I visited, obviously, Coastal Carolinas right here, went up to Old Dominion and uh, went up to App State, and I really felt at home at App State. They built brand-new facilities. They have brand-new dorms. They even have, like, a barbershop on their new facility. It's pretty crazy. I mean, the facility is like a Power 5 program, and App State wins a lot of football games. So I really felt at home at App State, and that was a, you know, perfect fit for me. You you mentioned the transfer portal. Was that a factor to why? Because a lot of people, you know, you still have your senior season ahead of you, and a lot of people might say you've got a chance to get some even bigger offers based on how you play in your senior season. Was that a reason for why you committed a little early? Did you want or did you want to be able to focus on the field during your senior year be, without having that recruitment looming over you? I think both of them had a had a you know they factored in my decision. I think you know you never know if you'll have a spot after the transfer portal in June. I mean, I think I would have picked up power five offers and even more offers, but I you know I thought at why why am I waiting? I mean, I love App State; it's a perfect fit, and I think I knew I wanted to go there when I saw uh, uh, Zach who committed, and my heart you know kind of dropped for a second. I was like, oh. You know, I need to get a. You know, I need to commit. So uh, that's when I really knew I was uh, wanted to go to App State. Is when my heart really dropped when I saw that. So I mean, we'll have we'll have a really good you know quarterback room, and hopefully we'll have a really good class. But yeah, the, that transfer portal. I mean, it's a little. You know, I especially with quarterbacks, they usually commit early, earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would have liked, liked to wait until the end of June, but I think the transfer portal, you know, you just got to take in the factor. I mean, you know, some spots probably won't be there in June because of that transfer portal. It's just a different recruiting than it was, you know, a year ago, two years ago. It's just crazy and nobody's used to it. So I think it was, we took, um, me and my family did what was smartest for me. How have the coaches been, you know, obviously the coaches, on the college level, also kind of trying to work on figuring out how to navigate all this new world with the transfer portal. What has been the communication both from App State and some of the other schools with you, and how have they been dealing with that uncertainty themselves with recruits? Yes, sir. They've been, it's been, you know, totally different. I mean, you do tons of Zooms. I mean, I did tons of Zooms. There's a lot of, you know, over the phone recruiting, calling, texting. I mean, it was really kind of nonstop. I mean, there were a lot of schools, you know, that were texting me that I still didn't have offers from yet. So you got to take an account of all that and Zooms with them. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy for about three months just because, you know, recruiting so different. And, like, instead of, you know, being on the phone or being on Zoom, you'd be touring somewhere or being there in person. But, you know, it's not a normal year and, did a lot of Zooms, just phone calls, texts. I mean, it was a lot going on. So it was different, but uh, got to enjoy the process because it only happens once. So it was fun, but, uh, you know, I really love App State. How, how were the coaches, 
when it came to, I mean, obviously App State seemed like they really wanted you, but not just App State, but, you know, Coastal as well and the other programs that uh, recruited you. Did they kind of talk you through the process with the transfer portal or did you, especially for like App State, did they say you have a spot with us no matter what? Mm-hmm. Well, some schools said, uh, you know, I have a spot no matter what. Like Coastal and App State told me I had a spot no matter what. So uh, I think some some schools are just, you know, taking different approaches to the transfer portal. And I think, uh, you know, you can never trust recruiting. You know, anything can always happen. So you just got to be aware of that. I mean, recruiting's a dirty game, so you just got to know what's going to happen. I mean, you've, I've seen a lot of 2021 kids kind of get messed up over the transfer portal or, you know, recruiting and kids getting an extra year of eligibility. They're calling like super seniors now. So it's been, it's been pretty wild, but, uh, you know, I'm just glad I I was able to, you know, have a chance to play college football. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's, that's always the ultimate goal, no matter where you go. Obviously you felt the program, the campus, everything, but, just on a personal level, outside of everything, when you got the offer, what was your personal favorite offer or one of your your personal favorite moment in your recruitment? I think my first offer was the craziest, which was actually from App State. Uh, me and my parents were really excited, and uh, it was it was a great feeling, you know, to get that first offer. Cause I was starting to worry for a while. I mean, people were telling me, you know, I was going to get offers and I was going to get power five offers and stuff like coach Wilson. But, uh, you know, there were, I was getting nervous for a little while, but that took a lot of stress off of me. So, uh, it was just really, that was probably the, them and coastal were the most, two most exciting offers, you know, just because coastal is a hometown school right here. And, uh, I think I just want to get away from home a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, it was, yeah, those two offers were really exciting to me. You you mentioned wanting to get away from home, but you'll be coming back for you know at, uh, obviously at some point during your years at App State. How excited are you and and potentially nervous of playing as the away team in your hometown area? I think it'll be really exciting, you know, getting to see. I don't know a lot of people will be at the game for me, and I mean, all around the Grand Strand. So it'll be exciting to see a lot of people and have them see me play, and uh, it'll be fun to play, you know, Coastal Carolina, a great school. I mean, it's a, it's a rivalry and two great programs, great teams, and I know Coastal's on, are already on the way up, and App State's on the way up, and App State's won a lot of football games. I think they're a top five winning program since 2015. It's like Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, and App State, so it's it's pretty wild. I think they're 62 and 15. I want to say. I mean, it, it, they win a lot of football games, and that's what I like to do. So uh, hopefully, and we'll continue that at App State. Now, with your recruiting out of the way, now you can focus on on the field for your senior season. What are you most looking forward to in your in your senior year? State championship will be the most exciting. We've a lot of uh, talent coming back for the five offensive line been 
Uh, obviously, we're losing JJ, but we've got some younger guys that'll step up and be really good for us. Uh, Adam, obviously, and uh, we have a younger running back that'll be good. And most of our defensive lines come back, except for uh, two, two of them. We are losing two DBs, but we have some younger guys. I think they will step up, and I think we'll have a really good shot at winning the state championship this year and scoring a lot of points. Uh, you know, you you mentioned JJ leaving, and you still have Adam Randall over there, who is a top 150 recruit in the country now, according to ESPN. But how much harder is it going to be for you not having a two-headed beast on either side of you uh, in Joseph Randall and really only having that one primary target? I think uh, JJ is a great receiver. I mean, he's six three. He's two hundred now. But in high school, he's about one eighty, one eighty five. But uh, he's he's a great, you know, receiver. He can go up and get a great route runner. But uh, I think we have some younger guys that'll two two younger guys that'll step up into those shoes and really be great for us this year. You you mentioned wanting to get getting back to the state championship. Obviously, this year is not ending the way you guys would liked it to. What do the Seahawks have to do to get back to the state championship this season? We just need to stay healthy. I mean, healthy is, you know, being that's the most important thing. I mean, we had this year, I think we had an outside linebacker that was at our starting line, outside linebacker was out. That was our leading tackler, second leading tackler. Uh, I mean, obviously, I was playing. I was playing with a broken ankle. Uh, JJ was knee was banged up. Adam's ankle was banged up. Our running back broke his ankle the first play of the North Myrtle Beach game, the lower state championship. Uh, I mean, we just have to stay healthy. And there's a couple of other guys playing with cast on the field. So if we stay, if we stay healthy, I think we can win the state championship every year. But I mean. You know, you you really can't control, you know, being healthy. You just got to prepare for it. Uh, and in high school, you know, there's not a whole lot of depth as there is in college. So, you know, it, just staying healthy is the biggest thing for us. The schedule for uh, you guys came out a few weeks ago. Any games catch your eye on that schedule? Uh, I think North Myrtle Beach and Fort Dorchester is going to be Two uh, <clears throat> exciting games for me. Uh, you know, really excited for the North Myrtle Beach game and uh, really excited for the Fort Dorchester game. And uh, t- I mean, it'll be it'll be a really good game at Doug Shaw, both of them. So uh, it'll be really exciting for North Myrtle Beach. You know, trying to get some revenge. And uh, Fort Dorchester's a really good 5A program. So. It'll be that will be a really exciting game. I mean, we're a good program, great program, and they're a great program, and it'll be a battle. Yeah, it definitely will be. And you guys face off against Carolina Forest Week One, so it'll be a big matchup for you guys. Thanks a lot for joining me this morning, Ryan, and uh, good luck in practice and gang rave for your senior year. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Once again, that was Ryan Berger, Myrtle Beach quarterback, uh, and it's always fun, always fun talking to him, always fun talking to the guys uh, here on the Grand Strand and, you know, throughout the state and 
getting their thoughts on their recruitment, their you know, uh, the and looking forward to next season as well. We will have another guest coming on at nine o'clock with Antonio Gaines, the Ridgeview defensive lineman, coming on for us then. But that will be coming at the top of the hour. And like I mentioned, next to the bottom of the hour, not quite there yet. But as we approach the bottom of the hour, a, a, a debate topic that I saw earlier this morning uh, that I wanted to bring up, and I, I definitely want get every your guys' thoughts on this. And if you guys want to call in, if you guys want to talk about anything else, be sure to do so. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-961. Be sure to call on in with all of your sports questions for me. But the topic that we have this morning that we will be talking about more in depth in a little bit but just kind of give you a uh, general synopsis of it before we go to break. Is the non-high school, uh, are, are the non-high school ways of playing, you know, whether it's AAU in basketball, seven-on-seven for football, and travel ball for baseball, Are those the primary ways of getting recruited nowadays? And does it diminish actual high school games half? And where does that potentially leave some of the top recruits in terms of what they focus on? And could you potentially see a top recruit player potentially forego regular high school ball in order to play exclusively on the travel teams. An interesting de- debate there. I saw it earlier uh, earlier this morning before I went on the air uh, on Facebook talking about it, and, and I thought it was such an interesting concept and an interesting talking point uh, that, you know, I I thought I should bring it on the show and and get get everyone else's thoughts on it and give my own thoughts on it as well. So if you want to get your thoughts out on any of that before I t- give you my take, once again, be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. Is that number to call? That number again, 323-784-9681. And it's a very interesting talking point. It's a very interesting topic. Uh, and a lot of, thing, and, and a lot of things uh, that could potentially be talked about with that. Uh, before we get to that, as we approach the bottom of the hour, 
and that's when we will uh, fully switch gears into that. As we head towards the bottom of the hour, uh, some final high school notes around uh, the state. We got a few more week one football matchups announced. Some more schedules coming out. Christchurch will face off against Landrum week one. Waccamaw will face off against Carver's Bay. There's a local game for you. And Ridgeview will face off against Westwood. And along with that game, the other game to keep to make note of here on the Grand Strand there with Ridgeview's schedule coming out. And we we talked about this uh, last a, a couple of weeks ago with their new head coach Derek Howard. Uh, he 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 originally mentioned it. He broke the news right here on this show about it. But now we have an official week and a, and a date and a location for the game. The Blazers will face off against Carolina Forest Week 5 on the 24th of September at home for Ridgeview at their brand new stadium on the 24th. So that's a big game for both programs. I I would say, and, and I don't really know, I don't even really know who I would say it's a bigger game for. Because it's going to be a big game for Ridgeview, trying to prove themselves against one of the better teams in, in 5A. At home, Derek Howard, you know, starting to starting his tenure at Ridgeview and, and having fa- to face off. Now, granted, he's, he was fairly successful at Wilson, and he had to face off against the, the cream of the crop in 4A. So it's not that big of a jump. It's not that big of a jump between 4A and 5A. But still, it's something to keep an eye on. And on the flip side, Carolina Forest has to replace a few key cogs. And now they'll have a couple of weeks ahead of that to get themselves prepared and still waiting on uh, official confirmation. Now, now, like I mentioned with Ryan Berger, Caroline Forrest has a very tough matchup week one against Myrtle Beach. So that's going to be a good game anyway. That's going to be a big test anyway for the Panthers. But even outside of that, you you know you're still going to have three more three potentially even four more uh, more games before that so that'll be something that we'll have to keep an eye on and see that's going to be something to watch out for in the beginning of the season as we head towards that game you know that it, it it could be a game against two of the top teams in the state, or it could not be. 
but it's going to be a very good game regardless and a fun one to watch. So those are your football uh, week one schedule announcements for this week. And uh, and and one little extra tidbit uh, for the local teams in the area. But but like I mentioned, a big talking point coming up at the bottom of the hour, talking about whether or not the the extracurricular activities, uh, you know, AAU, seven-on-seven travel ball uh, for each of the major sports, is that the main way to get recruited nowadays? And how it how it has impacted the relationship between high school athletes and you know high school as compared to those uh alternate endeavors those alternate means of of playing so that'll be our main talking point after we return to break uh and once again have Antonio Gaines coming on at 9 o'clock, Ridgeview Defensive Lineman. And as always, if you want to get your thoughts in on anything related, whether it's pro, whether it's high school, whether it's college, uh, be sure to call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. And, uh, uh, baseball going on. Uh, had the end of the uh, end of the NCAA tournament this week, uh, but things are starting to slow down a little bit. So, uh, uh, not quite as much going on. You do uh, you have college baseball going on right now? You got. Uh, NBA, NHL going on still right now. The Masters uh, currently going on, but I'll admit I, I I'll, I'll just say this right now that, uh, before I take a break. Never really been a fan of the only. Never really been a fan of any real any individual sports. The only individual sports that. I'm a fan of our combat sports, boxing, MMA, pro wrestling. All of the other individual sports, golf, tennis, you know, NASCAR, uh, you know, all of those, I've never really been all that into. So you won't, you know, yes, I know a lot of people, especially here on the Grand Strand, because this is such a golf area are big on the Masters and are watching the Masters and all this. That. And I, I respect the uh, I respect uh, the, the history and the tradition of the Masters. But it just, golf to me, outside of playing it, I love playing golf, but 
outside of playing it, it it does it just it doesn't draw me uh like team sports do, especially the big four. Uh, along along with soccer. You know, my main sports that I focus on are baseball, football, basketball, hockey and soccer. You know, and I'll watch I'll watch other sports as they come on and whatnot. But, you know, individual sports like like golf and tennis you know what you know when the grand slams are going on or when the majors are going on for golf don't really focus on them all that much so you won't ever really hear me talk about golf or tennis all that much even when it's uh time that that they're focused on so i'll take a quick break and come right back and then we will have that big talking point about high school and AU and that stuff. And if you want to get your thoughts on it, call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll take a quick break and come right back. Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and as promised, got a big talking point that I want to focus on for the next half hour, maybe not quite the whole half hour, but the question was raised in a group that I'm a part of on Facebook that AAU... You know, seven-on-seven, travel baseball, those types of endeavors are hurting base or are hurting high school. And, are, you know, they said that it was the wave of the future and that that was what most people were going to focus on and et cetera, et cetera. First off, it's not the future. It's been around for, you know, at least AAU and travel baseball have been around for ages. And especially AAU, you know, and even beyond AAU, when you go into the cities, you know, uh, some of the biggest players, the the biggest one that I can think of, and, and my mom would always tell me the story of uh, Lou Alcindor, who most of you would know more as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when he was in high school... Yeah, he played in high school, and he was well-recruited out of high school, but he was more known from from street ball. He was more known from playing in the cages, playing at Rucker Park in the Bronx, and, you know, playing playing throughout New York City, street ball. And he would also play AAU. So... So that was where most of the focus was back then and even nowadays even in an area like this even in South Carolina AAU is more of the focal focal point I mean look at guys like Zion Williamson and John Morant you know yeah they were focused heavily on from high school but it was also AAU seems like especially for basketball this is this is where I'm because for basketball I would have to agree with it for the most part because in order to truly be considered one of the top recruits and be recruited by the the top programs in the country and all of that more often than not it's focused around the AAU games AAU tournaments which are those are the ones, you know, as you can see, if you guys follow Prep Hoops or follow James Shaw or follow, you know, uh, uh, Joe Lenardi or, you know, or any of the uh, – I'm drawing a blank on, on the other one uh, that, you know, that is always around those uh, the, the uh, AAU tournaments and stuff. Not – Lenardi, he focuses on focuses on bracketology instead of uh, recruiting. But you know, you you see these guys that are out there, uh, you know, studying and and getting notes out, and getting news out on on these recruits. It's mostly at AAU tournaments. You don't really ever see them at high school games, unless it's at one of the you know, prep schools or at a, you know, at an independent, you know, at a private school. 
And a lot of those private schools, you know, you look at some of the big private schools, you know, even, even in South Carolina, you know, uh, gray collegiate and, you know, uh, looking at like Hammond and, you know, uh, some of the other ones and, and especially in North Carolina, Monteverdi and, you know, uh, all of those schools up there and like Greensboro day and, and, and all of those, those are the ones, those are the ones that are getting all the attention. And part of the reason for that is not only are they, you know, showing up in high school tournaments and high school events, and, you know, you still have some big-time high school tournaments that get a lot of attention and get a lot of exposure and, and get scouts talking. You know, obviously, you had the Geico Nationals uh week. Uh, you have the Beach Ball Classic down here in Myrtle Beach. And you got other tournaments, you know, especially up in New York. But it's more so... Not only are they playing in those high school tournaments and playing well in their high schools, but they're going and playing and being big in these AAU tournaments as a team. And that helps those teams out exponentially because, you know, the one problem that I have with the AAU and why it's a little trickier with AAU is that for one it, it feels more like pickup games. You're not really running plays as much and all of that. Uh, second, a lot of guys, you know, trying to be flashy, trying to make big plays in order to impress the scouts. And along the lines with that, you don't have as much teamwork for a couple of reasons. And this is why the academy teams are so good in these tournaments as well. For one, you know, the players are trying to impress. So they're focused on themselves. But also along those same lines, a lot of, you know, the AAU teams, while, yeah, they're playing exclusively together for a lot of summer, they're not, at the same time, they're not and get that chemistry nearly as much as a high school team would be. So that's the big difference uh, between high school and AAU. AAU definitely gets you more exposure. But the problem, too, and this is a problem more so with scouts and, and players just kind of have to deal with that, and it's it's a lot harder to be recruited as a as a certain type of player especially at these AAU events scouts are more so looking at the offense more than defense so and they're looking at the highlights more than the the game the game overall yeah they're looking at an overall game to an extent but if you make a big play they're going to take note of it so unless you're a dynamic defender who can do the flashy stuff that gets you noticed, like make a big block, get an emphatic block, or get a steal, 
going to have a little bit you're going to have a harder time getting recruited uh but like i said i think the high school game definitely still has its place because it's a way to show how you can play on a team and this is more of a scouting problem more than and 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 players just have to kind of adapt is that the game has become much more self-focused and not as focused on teamwork and strategy and stuff like that. Now, certain coaches, certain teams still play a very team, especially in college, still play a very team-based game. So if you are that type of player, you're going to want to try to focus on getting those teams to focus on you. And and you and it can be done. It can definitely be done. Uh, but it's uh, but it's, it makes it a little harder. So AAU has always been more of the focal point for college recruiting. Like I mentioned, it's been that way for a long time. But high school basketball still has its place, and it still has. A reason to be there. Moving over to football and seven on sevens. Yes, it seems it definitely does seem like it's the way things are going when it comes to recruiting skill position players right now. But the one thing that seven on seven has that, or the one thing that a full game has. A regular high school game has that seven on seven doesn't is linemen and having to focus on that aspect of things. So the only way linemen are getting recruited are either through camps or through a regular high school game. So high school still has its has its purpose on that level, but for that too you're on top of the linemen you have to be able to play you have to play a different way in a 7 on 7 as compared to playing a full game because 7 on 7 you know the quarterback doesn't have to worry about pass rush or anything like that so the wide receivers have a lot more time to try to get open and so as a result of that, that can kind of create bad habits for wide receivers. And that's something that uh, quarterbacks, or that's something that wide receivers have to be wary of when it comes to how they play in 7-on-7s. Seven seven. You can look very good in a 7-on-7, seven seven, but... If you're not getting open in the time period, you can make some of the greatest catches ever. But if you're not able to get open in a quick manner, then you're going to have problems in the regular game. The only, the like I said, the only position that I really could be said that's focused on that you could focus on with a seven on seven is a wide receiver. But even then, 
trying to run routes without having to worry about, okay, I need to get open in two seconds or three seconds or else my quarterback's going to get sacked is a lot different than saying, okay, I don't have to worry about that. I can, you know, try to make my route as crisp as possible. And, and, you know, of course you're trying to get open, but you don't have to worry about it as much. You'll have some time. So that, you know, wide receiver is probably the main position that, you know, can be recruited through a seven on seven, but definitely for football, at least in my opinion, are much more important than a seven-on-seven drill would ever be. That's just my take. And and if if you have a different take, if you have an opinion on this, definitely call in. Let me know. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. On the... Going over to baseball now, travel ball will definitely get more eyeballs on you and grow your stock more than high school ball. But there is still definitely a place for high school ball on a number of levels, I feel. You know, ba- you know, baseball is one of those sports that it's very situational. And it's very nuanced. So, yeah, in a showcase or in a travel ball game, you can get those every now and again. But I think there's just a different feel when you're playing for your high school. There's when you're playing for a specific team. Yes, the tra- travel ball teams are, you know, obviously traveling together and all of that. So you you do have that aspect. But at the same time, I just feel, and this may just be my personal opinion, that you're not getting it as much as you would be on the high school level. Uh, you know, the, the one comparison I would kind of make between, you know, with travel ball and as Think of it like when you get to college, the difference between college ball and going to a a summer league, a a league like the Cape Cod League. Yeah, you're getting a lot more exposure. You're getting a lot more scouts at the Cape League game, but that doesn't diminish what you're doing at the college level. You know, these things aren't the wave of the future. Outside of maybe seven on seven. AAU and Travel Bowl have been around for decades and have been the focal point for recruiting for a long time. You know, basketball, not so much. You don't really have a college comparison for basketball because college is the... Well, I could use a bit of a comparison, but it's a it's kind of a bad one. But... The difference between AAU and high school basketball is kind of, in a way, the difference between, like, the G League and college. The G League, you're going to – you might get a little more exposure. You're going to have more scouts watching you. 
because it is focused on the NBA and you're playing against the best of the best. And so you get more exposure and you ha- and you may have a better chance of getting drafted. Whereas college, you're still going to get exposure, especially depending upon where you go. This is kind of a bad example, but, you know, go with me with it. But it's more team-based, more focused on the team. And that's the way I feel AAU as compared to high school is. AAU, you're playing for yourself more often than not. Whereas high school, you're playing for the team. You know, football, seven-on-seven, you're you're focused on skilled positions and, you know, focused on making the highlights and all of that. It has its place, but I, it, it definitely is no substitute for the real deal, especially because the, the one thing about seven-on-seven seven that's different than all the others, than the other two, is that seven-on-seven seven is completely different in terms of rules and everything, than regular football is. So while, yes, you can get an idea, a scout can get an idea of how you play a certain position or play a certain situation, it's not the same as seeing it in a real game. So 7-on-7 will never overtake regular high school football. That's that's just facts. Uh, And like I said, you know, travel ball is always going to have its place. It's going to get you more eyeballs. And and like I said, the, the difference is, you know, in travel ball, you're focused on yourself. You're focused on getting noticed. And you have more eyeballs on you. Whereas high school, you know, you're focused more so on the team. And while some people may say, oh, you know, it it diminishes high school ball and whatnot. Not really. Not really. You know, everyone knows that, you know, where most of the scouts are going are going to be like the Cape Cod League in the summer. And that's where most of the top prospects are going to get noticed. But that doesn't mean that people don't pay attention to college baseball. You know, that just means that there are certain, uh, there are certain areas where you can get noticed more. And that's not a bad thing. You know, you want to have that opportunity. And you have to look at it in this way, too. You know, for one, high school baseball, well, high school anything, you may have one or two players on a given team, or on a team three or four, maybe even five. You know, especially in football, maybe you have a few more that are going to be college-bound, that are going to be at that level. And 
while, yes, you have some programs that are always consistently known for it, and the scouts and, and college coaches know to go to those programs, a lot of programs don't have that reputation. So where do you go to find these guys? How do you determine where you're going to go? Unless you're just going on a barnstorming campaign around a state or around an area and trying to see as many games as possible, you're not going to be able to see necessarily see all the top talent and know, especially when you go into more rural areas. You know, that's where you need these showcases and these types of events where scouts know, okay, the cream of the crop is going to be here. And some people brought up the the issue of money and all of this and, and, a, and a class issue when it came to this. And I understand that argument and the 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 issue there, but you know, look, look at how well AAU basketball has done, and a lot of the kids that are in AAU are from the inner city. So obviously, there are ways for it to be done without players and and parents having the Spend an arm and a leg. If you're good enough, you're gonna. They're gonna find a spot on the team for you, no matter what. So, you know, you know, does AAU and travel ball and seven on seven have its place? Yes. Can it get you recruited a little better? Potentially, yes. But is it is it completely replacing high school sports? No, not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. There's still a place for high school sports, and there's still a need for it. And and just yeah, no, no, it, that that just doesn't work. So those are my thoughts. You know, yes, yeah, it has its place. Yes, it's growing in popularity and growing in prestige, but none of those can replace seeing how a player plays on an actual team, no matter what sport it is. So those are my thoughts on on that debate. And in a few minutes, we will have Antonio Gaines coming on, Ridgeview defensive lineman. We'll talk to him about his recruiting and what's what's been going on What's been going on with him since his commitment uh, to go to Charlotte? Talk to him about what what's the expectation up in Ridgeview uh, and what his thoughts are on the schedule coming out and all of that good stuff. Lots of talk about with him. And then following that, got a few more quick little notes to uh, pass along as we wrap things up in the last half hour. And so I've had a good show this morning. Uh, Talked about a lot of good things. Hope you guys enjoyed that uh, talking point with the difference between AAU and, and and, uh, high school ball and, you know, pro and uh, travel ball and all of that. 
If you guys have any thoughts on it, be sure to on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. Once again, Antonio Gaines, Ridgeview defensive lineman, recent Charlotte commit, about to come on in just a little bit, and we'll talk to him about his recruitment, why he decided to go to Charlotte, uh, and what he's thinking going into his senior year uh, at Ridgeview. And then a few uh, a few other small notes to get to following that. So be sure to stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited, right here on Southern Sports Central. We'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, Hopefully, had some issues last week, so hopefully uh, we'll have those resolved and we will have Antonio Gaines on the Ridgeview defensive lineman and Charlotte commit right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as we head towards the top of the hour and await Antonio Gaines, the Ridgeview defensive lineman, joining us at 9 o'clock. And if he does not join us this morning, may sign off a little early this morning uh, as there are not too, too much more to talk about this morning. Uh, got a few other notes 
uh, that we will talk about in just a little bit, uh, depending upon whether or not we are able to get Antonio on this morning. Quick recap of what we've been talking about this morning. Talk some Final Four. Obviously, the big uh, the big news there was uh, UCLA bringing Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, to overtime, and Gonzaga hitting that huge, huge shot. Uh, and you know, getting uh, get getting that huge shot to make it to the national championship game, but then proceeding to lose to Baylor in the national championship game. What a story for Baylor! Uh, being able to come in and and uh, and win that one, win the national championship, and be able to uh, being a- being able to get it done. Simple as that. Being able to get it done. Uh, and yeah, w- on the women's side, surprising. You know, on both sides for me, pers- in my opinion, the fact that both Stanford. And Arizona were able to win, and then Stanford being Arizona in the championship game. Uh, very surprising to me to see South Carolina, especially UConn, losing in the Final Four. But like I mentioned earlier, good for women's basketball, having more parity, having more teams, being able to win in those situations. Some other college notes that I talked about earlier, Wofford opting out of the remainder of the season. Seems like that's the trend that's going on right now uh, with teams starting to drop out and decide to focus on next season instead. Uh, UNC hiring Hubert Davis, as the new head basketball coach, played under Dean Smith and was an assistant with Roy Williams. He's going to have to have a thick skin up in Chapel Hill if he hopes to uh, not have to worry about, you know, obviously if they win, it doesn't matter. If, they, if they're if they able to win, then then it doesn't matter and and he'll be praised. But if they start losing, he's going to have to have some very thick skin because people are going to start saying, oh, no, Roy Williams, we need to get a more established. So good luck to Hubert Davis. Porter Moser leaving Loyola Chicago and heading to Oklahoma. And Loyola Chicago very quickly promoting assistant Drew Valentine to the head coaching role. Uh, Good luck to Porter Porter Moser. Because that's a that's another tough one that you know uh, we didn't have you, you know this is one of those where you know a big time mid major coach who has had success at the lower level is now getting the opportunity at the at the up, higher level and so it's it's going to be interesting to see if 
he's able to replicate that success at the next level. And Sean Miller out at Arizona, that's going to be a tough uh, role to fill because Arizona is one of the programs, like I mentioned earlier, not quite to the level of a UNC, Duke, or Kentucky, but still a program that has some prestige, has history behind it, and thus uh, it's going to be a tough role to fill. It's going to come with a lot of expectations. Talk some high school baseball real good. Get you ready for this afternoon's game, uh, the Mingo Bay Classic Championship game. We'll see North Myrtle Beach face off against Sockasty. North Myrtle Beach coming into this game an A and four record, ranked second in the coaches poll in four A, thirteenth in the Max Preps. South Carolina rankings, number five in Max Prep's quadruple-A rankings, 4A rankings, uh, averaging 6.83 runs per game with opponents averaging 3.16 runs per game. They made it to the championship game with an 11-0 win over, over Lakewood, and then following that, with a 9-2 win over Lake City last night. Sakasi ranked 10th in the 5A rankings in the coaches poll. Comes in at a 16-1 record. Ranked 8th in the Max Prep South Carolina rankings. 5th in the Max Prep uh, 5A rankings. They are averaging 6.35 runs per game with opponents averaging... 3.25 runs per game. And they're, they're two games to get Greerbrar, Greenbrar Christian. And then last night, a 2 nothing win. Well, first beat uh, Greerbrar Christian. Uh, Greenbrar Christian, excuse me. on the first day of games. Then in the second day, they they did play three games. Uh, One over Metrolina, 7-0. And then last night, won 2-0 over Legion Collegiate. Braves lead the all-time series 12-2, with the Chiefs not winning a game against Sakasti since 2012, according to Max Preps. And the last matchup, this is a rematch from the Coastal Invitational Tournament where the Braves won, and that was the championship game of that tournament. Braves winning that one 9-8. to eight. So both of these teams, known as, uh, known for playing, uh, no, for uh, playing in championship games, uh, first in the Coastal Invitational Tournament and now in the Mingo Bay Classic. So, you know, this is going to be a very, very good game. 
It's going to be a very good game, very entertaining game. I would expect a very close game. Not sure who the pitchers are going to be yet for either team. Uh, But like I said, I will have all the action for you guys over on SHN Sports starting at 1.45 this afternoon, 2 o'clock start time for the game this afternoon. And so that should be a fun game. And it's it's going to be a big game for both of these teams. More so for North Myrtle Beach, I feel. It's more so going to be a bigger game for North Myrtle Beach. Uh, them trying to get over that, you know, trying to get that uh, payback on the Braves for beating them in the Coastal Invitational Tournament Championship game and also trying to get, you know, they've played better. They they beat South Florence twice. They're now 2-2 two and two in the region. Uh, they've played very well this season, but those, lo- those two losses to Hartsville to start off region play has really put them behind the eight ball. And these are the last games that they have. Well, actually, excuse me. They will play St. James. Uh, in between uh, one of the series. They will play St. James uh, they will play St. James in May. They'll play St. James twice. Once on the road and then once at home and will also play against Aner in May before they finish off uh, region play against Myrtle Beach. So they do still have four non-region games left, but this win tonight would give them a big boost as they head into the heart of their region play schedule as they have six straight region games, which will basically determine who they uh, are not able to make playoffs, facing off against Wilson in a home-and-home Next week, then Darlington in a home-and-home, followed by West Florence in a home-and-home. So, lots of games, you know, this, more so for North Merrill Beach and Sockety, this is going to be a game that is going to uh, create a lot of momentum. I think as long, especially since they lost to Sockety once already, as long as they keep it close, it will, but a win will definitely help the Chiefs. Sakasti playing very well this season as well. And so I would say out of all of the games, all of the championship games, yeah, you have West Florence against South Florida. That's a rivalry game uh, in the championship uh, for the Founders FCU Diamond Challenge. But I would say just overall in terms of storylines and in terms of how good the game could be. I think this is the best uh, championship game out of the spring break tournaments in the state of South Carolina. So it's going to be a really fun game. Uh, Looks as though Antonio Gaines is not going to be able to join us this morning. Uh, Disappointing there. Uh, 
And so I will run down a couple of uh, final notes. Obviously, if anyone wants to give me a call, if anyone wants to get their thoughts on anything uh, before I do sign off a little early, be sure to call on in 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. But in the meantime, I will go through a couple of notes uh, on the pro level that I haven't yet. First, the MLB. MLB moving the All-Star Game and the draft out of Atlanta. All-Star Game will now be in Denver. I'm sure you guys have all seen the reason why. Won't get too political uh, on this show. For for those who are mad about it, MLB was basically in a, in a situation. If they didn't move it, people would say they're they're you know uh, they're promoting this and they're supporting this bill, and it would have hurt them on one side. But now that they did move it, it's hurting them on another side. It's a lose-lose situation when it comes to a situation like this. But, and there might have been some logistic issues or something, but the reason for why, or along with the fact that they were trying to uh, show off Truist Park, the, the new ballpark in Atlanta. But along with that, it's the... Uh, 50th anniversary of Hank Aaron uh, breaking Babe Ruth's record. And so you would have thought that this would have been a perfect opportunity for them because uh, Aaron did play in Milwaukee initially. They they should. I I would have moved it to Milwaukee to keep with the Hank Aaron theme, instead of moving it to Colorado, which is completely, you know, out there. But that's my thoughts. Personally, I think they did the right thing. Uh, the MLB did by moving it, but you know, I think they should have moved it to Milwaukee to keep the Hank Aaron theme. Hopefully next year things will be moved forward and they can give Atlanta the all-star game and draft again next year. Reimburse them for, for this year if things change. One other final note before I'll sign off a little early uh, this morning. NFL News, Jets trade Sam Darnold to Carolina for a sixth-round pick in 2021 and a second and fourth round pick in 2022. And I don't know what to think about this. Because yes, Carolina has a slightly better organization. Carolina has a slightly better organization. And, you know, they they were a playoff team a few years ago. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like this isn't going to solve Carolina's problems. 
I don't think Sam Darnold is the answer. I just, I know he's had some sparks of brilliance, but I just don't think he's a franchise quarterback caliber player. Now, I could be wrong. There have been guys that looked like they were mediocre at best on one team and then went to a different franchise and became great. You know, look at Drew Brees, who just recently retired. So, could it happen? Yes. Will it happen? Mm, Not so sure about it there. Because... Carolina still needs some pieces around him anyway. And I just don't think Darnell has enough. Because you have to take this into consideration, too. The last couple of seasons, Sam Darnell has had Le'Veon Bell in the backfield for him. Which should take a lot of pressure off of you. But just the offensive line and just the dumpster fire that is the Jets create a situation where no matter how good you are, you could be, you know, you could put Tom Brady back there for the Jets, and I think they'd still be mediocre. Bad the Jets organization is. Now, again, I could be wrong. And, I and you know, for the Panthers, I hope I am wrong. But I think, you know, I think Darnell will be a, I I don't even know if he's necessarily a step above Teddy Bridgewater, though. Because Bridgewater was serviceable in, in Minnesota. So Darnell will be able to do something in Carolina? Yes. Do I know where the Jets are going when it comes to quarterback? Absolutely not. But do I think that this has a chance of being a decent move? Yes, but I don't think it's going to be the be-all, end-all. I don't think this is going to turn Carolina's fortunes around. And who knows, that second and fourth round pick next season may help out the Jets. Probably not because it's the Jets, but you know who 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 knows who knows. You you never you you never know what what may or may not happen. So that sorry ahead of time or sorry once again had um once again no Antonio Gaines this morning. Uh. So, with that being said, any last chance opportunities, if you want to call in, get your thoughts in on anything, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. But barring any any last-minute calls, I think I will sign off a little early this morning. Uh, Had a good show this morning. Like I mentioned, definitely be sure if you're a baseball fan, be sure to tune in to the Mingo Bay Classic Championship game this afternoon as the Chiefs take on 
Sakisti. That's going to be a very good game this afternoon. And I will have all the action for you. SHN Sports on YouTube. Just look up SHN Sports and you'll be able to find the link to the broadcast. So that'll just about wrap it up for me here this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And I will talk to you guys next week right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. So long, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.